We welcome you for being with us here at Bethany United Methodist Church, where we are leading others to experience God's love, know Jesus Christ, and grow in His image. If you haven't done so yet, we want to make sure that you check into all the links, all the ways that you can connect with us at Bethany to register your presence with us, to share your financial gifts, to uh, lift up any prayer requests that you have, or just to check out all the updates on our websites to see all the all the ways that you were able to get, engage with us in ministry. We uh, want to make sure that you're able to do that with us. In particular, we have coming up next Sunday an outdoor worship service. We have a blood drive that you can sign up for. There's just such a great need for that. And our registration for Spirit Walk classes has opened as well, so you can sign up for one of our short-term classes and get connected in, in that way as well. If you've been worshiping with us the last few weeks or so, hopefully you've noticed a theme through this past month in December as we walk through Advent together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We spent our Advent season in worship on a series on the Incarnation. Emmanuel, God with us as Jesus. God manifested in human form. And if there was ever a year that we needed a reminder about the significance of this, this thing that we call Christmas, I can't think of a more perfect time for our need than 2020, to which we say, rest in peace. Amen. We're glad it is over. We know that we're still in a season of mess with pandemic and with politics in particular, but do you feel like you can breathe a little more easily now that we have old Lang Zined our way into 2021, the singers are at least nodding for me here, so hopefully you are as well. But whether you do or not, uh, we will heed what Pastor Sherry always tells us to do, to breathe and pray. As we begin our, to hear God's word for us today, let us begin with a word of prayer. Holy and loving God, as we breathe in, remind us with each inhalation, you make our lives new once more. As we breathe in, God, help us to breathe in a sense of your presence and peace. And as we breathe out, help us to set aside any distractions and worries. And as we breathe in, open our minds as well as our lungs to have a greater awareness of the word you have for us today and how you are calling us to share your word in the world. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So 2020, I know 2020 sounds like a bad word that I'm not allowed to say anymore, that 2-0 word, we'll say. But 2020 and Christmas have come to an end, but not to the end of the story. I'm actually not going to say more about what the rest of the 2020 story is. We really don't know what the fallout's going to be, what all of the changes are. We can speculate, but we really just don't know uh, what is yet to come. But Advent and Christmas that have come to an end, they're only the beginning of the story for us as followers of Jesus. The entire rest of 2021, this whole year ahead, is to be shaped by what we just celebrated at year's end, the nativity story. New life, being born into the world and hopefully into us. Decorative lights and candles, reminding us of the light of Christ the light from a special star or two planets aligning in just the right way. Gifts given to our loved ones like special gifts that were brought from miles and miles away to the baby, to the Christ child. And if you made it here for breakfast with Santa, even animals in a petting zoo, joining our story with the Christmas story with its donkey and sheep and cattle lowing. 
Now Advent makes way for Epiphany. We've had time to wait and to plan and to prepare, and Christ has appeared in the world to you and me, to our brothers and sisters around the world. All around the globe, people have had an epiphany, this enlightenment, this sudden realization, our spiritual and religious discovery that God has appeared to us in this way that we can begin to wrap our minds around a baby. We can understand that. We can understand a human in the flesh, something that we can set our eyes on. We can lay our eyes on God and see God manifest as a child for our good. Manifest in such a way, the best way, that we in our humble and limited lowly abilities can experience God for ourselves. Thinking about God appearing, if that happened today, we would get a post on social media to say a baby's on the way. We would go to a gender reveal party or a baby shower and pretty soon we'd be getting a text to see a squinty, red-faced newborn on that wonderful day of birth. And then maybe we'd have a Zoom meeting to see the child with his or her parents. For Jesus, the announcement and the visit were much more epic than what we can do today. And became even more so with each passing year as the world began to celebrate his birthday. And you know your birth is important when even a king takes notice. And so we began reading this story from the Gospel of Matthew out of the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Why would a king even care about this news? He wouldn't. Except word is already out. Before Jesus can speak his first word, that a different kind of king is rising into the world. A king that is not bound by geography or time or culture or place. Herod understands this, at least at some small level. And Herod is smart enough to be afraid because he knows his reign, as great and powerful and terrible as it is, his reign is limited. And his power cannot withstand the powers born into the world through Jesus Christ. Herod tries to defeat it and he fails. The Gospel of Matthew here is already planting a seed for us, setting up the story for the end of Jesus' life and the beginning of the church that will be born. A nod here already that the God in this worldly incarnation is not just for the Jewish people. It may start as a Jewish story, but one tribe, one people cannot contain God's ministry. And by the end of the Gospel of Matthew, those who claim Jesus as Lord are being sent all over the world to teach about him. And it starts here already in these few verses. These travelers from the east, not from around these here parts, we might say. They aren't Jewish. They aren't even Samaritan. They're not local Gentiles. But they're about to become a part of the Jewish prophecy so the priests and the scribes answered Herod's question about where the baby was. 
or would be born, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. The wise men are a pretty big deal here. We know this because they were granted an audience with King Herod. Herod sought them out. He listened to them. He indicated that he would follow them in paying homage to this child. And think about the diverse visitors that baby Jesus is already having in his life, or people who want to see him. A king, rich and powerful, says he wants to go. A stark contrast to the shepherds, poor and insignificant, who've already come. People who are local and foreign. People who are educated and uneducated. Jews and Gentiles all want to see this Christ child. And today, not even our theological differences can separate us from this miraculous event that still unites us in celebration thousands of years later. God in the world. God's coming to us as king for everyone in the world. When the wise men had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. That might be my favorite part. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This special star that we read about. I heard about it when I was a kid in 1980, 1981, when there was a major conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. And we've learned recently in enjoying the Christmas star uh, just last month, we learned that the two planets haven't aligned so closely for our earthly perspective since the early 1600s. Next time, it's going to be in 2080, and so for those of you who are younger than me, you can save the dates. You may actually get to see it a second time. I'm not counting on it myself, but you may get to. I remember being in awe as a child to hear about this, to learn about the Bethlehem star, of how God used the celestial bodies to lead people to the Christ child. And of course, God did that. He made all the stars and all the planets. The Magi were likely part of a religious group that studied the stars, using astrology to foretell coming events on earth. And for us, the stars have always been there to guide us through place and time and season. So it makes perfect sense that God would do this, that God would use the same for this first holy epiphany on earth, to communicate in such a way as to be seen by all people. Regardless of tongue or creed or nationality, God entered into everyone's world to announce his presence, his coming. And in our small lives now, we who are disciples of Christ are the little lights shining and pointing to announce God's coming and his presence. We're the ones that God intends to shine Christ's light 
into the darkness of the world. But we first have to come and receive it ourselves. We first have to encounter the Christ child. After the great light in the sky did its work and led the wise men to baby Jesus, they knelt down with him. They knelt down before him with Mary. And you have to remember, these are men kneeling before a teenage girl, barely a woman, and a toddler. Jesus was already about two by the time they got there. Travel took a little bit longer to get there. But to these educated, worldly, globe-trotting men, a young woman and a kid out in the backwater of a foreign country were not even worthy of a glance. And yet here they were, falling to their knees, kneeling and paying homage to Jesus, overwhelmed with joy and bearing gifts, and on their knees before a baby. Have you yourself ever had such an encounter with Christ? I think a lot of us have had these come-to-Jesus moments that knocked us right off our feet, down to our knees or flat on our faces. And we should be telling the story to others when that happened. We felt a sense of humility and unworthiness, knowing that we were in the presence of greatness and glory beyond the world. In a little bit, we're going to share in a time of Holy Communion together. And I'm reminded in God's epiphany to the wise men of a sister in Christ who desired to pay homage to Jesus in a similar way as we see represented in this picture. This is a woman who's been afflicted by illness for decades in her life, and that illness has taken a physical toll on her. I visited her once a month to share communion time, as we do together. She's mostly bedridden, and we would have communion in her room, her in bed, and me sitting bedside to share in that feast. But on this particular visit, I don't know what time of year it was. Maybe it was Epiphany. I don't know what was going on for her, but she got up from her bed somehow, and using a walker, she went across her bedroom and down the hall and through the foyer and into her front room so that we could share in communion because she wanted to kneel down to God and pay him homage as she came to what we, what we were using as our serving table. I think maybe it was a piano bench that would help her to kneel and to rise, but at great cost to herself in the exertion and the pain that it brought. She fell to her knees to worship God in the flesh and blood, the bread and wine of our Eucharist. She didn't have gold, frankincense, or myrrh. She had her body to present as a holy and living sacrifice, as we're called to do now for Christ. This act of homage that my sister did, that the wise men did, falling to our knees is a sign given only to a Lord. A Lord, one who protects us, who provides for us, one who's in charge of resources for us. From his birth on, and maybe even before his birth, Jesus was known to be a Lord. A Lord of Lords who would come to protect us from death and sin. Who would provide salvation for us into eternal life. A Lord who would send the Holy Spirit to gift us all that we have need of. This Lord to a humble servant like my sister in Christ. This Lord to the Magi. Lord of heaven and earth and all of creation has come. And this is the essential relationship that we have with Christ, our Lord, who commands us and who seeks our obedience. 
And we know his command. It sounds so simple, and yet it's so hard to be obedient. His command to love God with all that we are and all that we have and to share that love with others without qualification. This allegiance is something we profess, for sure, in our words of faith. We struggle with a kneeling down before him part. We struggle in that part where we acknowledge Christ's authority over our lives in their entirety. Recognizing that we belong to him and we yield our lives to him in action and not in lip service. To claim Christ as our Lord is to daily offer ourselves as holy and living sacrifices just as our sister in the faith did in that communion we shared. And I remember myself when I became a Christian as an adult, being on my knees in humble approach to him at Easter time, falling down before him as he was lifted up on the cross, ashamed of all that he had done for me and all that I had failed to do, how little I had to offer. And in all the seasons of my life and all the years that have followed, that hasn't changed very much. I can still only approach in humility at my failures and my shortcomings to remain obedient. And even so, God still shines his light on my path every single moment that I draw breath, sending his light to guide me to him. And this weekend for us, light has dawned on a new year a time when we make resolutions anew, a time when many follow the birth of Christ by committing to Christ being born anew in us and through us. And I invite you, my brothers and sisters, wherever you are, to join me in bowing down before Christ, to pay him homage, to pray a resolution of obedience to the Lord of Lords. I'm going to kneel and pray to Christ, the Wesley Covenant Prayer, And you can join me in that prayer. We'll have the words on the screen in just a moment. Or it may be that you have something different that you need to bring as you come and kneel down to Christ. Whatever you have, offer the gift that you have to bring to Jesus now, whatever that is for you. But kneel with me and pay homage to this newborn king as we come to him together, falling to our knees. Let us pray. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. Brothers and sisters, when we encounter Christ, truly, we are changed. The story we know of the wise men ends with them leaving by another road. The experience of being in the presence of God means you can't go back 
the same way. For the Magi, going back was literally a dead end for them. God laid a new path for them. And God lays a new path for us, each one of us. A path that if we choose to walk it, it leads on and on to new life in Christ for us. To be in this season of epiphany, today and all our days, to be a light, shining Christ, lighting the world so that others may know Christ in and through us, is to continue to fall to our knees before the Lord and then rise and go into the world as a response to what God has shown you to be some appearance or manifestation of God, revealing God for others through your words, through your actions, through all the ways you can offer God in your own abilities. We have so many ways that we do that at Bethany. There are new Bethany teams that just started meeting last month to do this through three specific initiatives, re-engaging Bethany members, which is so hard during a pandemic. Improving family-friendly ministries to help our kids keep engaged while we socially distance. And leading people in the surrounding community as well as with us to experience God's love, know Jesus Christ, and grow in his image. And just last night, as I was finishing my final thoughts on our message this morning, I received a text from one of our sisters in Christ here at Bethany. And if you're in her Sunday school class, you might already know that she has had this vision for her path. If you haven't heard, she is setting out from her encounter with Christ to share him in the world by writing a personal note for each and every one of our neighbors and families who come to our monthly fresh food for all, offering a word of hope or a prayer or connection for those in our community who are seeking in their need. I have had... So many opportunities to see messages from all of you in the past couple months. Have you shared your gratitudes every day on social media through Sherry's Gratitude Challenge through the end of 2020, uplifting others with hope and a different vision for a challenging world. So many in this congregation pour out the love of Christ in obedience to his commands for us to love by feeding the hungry, by visiting the sick or in prison, through serving and giving. So for you yourself, have you thought about how the world sees Christ because of your journey after you've had an encounter with him? How you are revealing him, or if you struggle like I do, how you're failing to offer the Christ child. The epiphany is always with us, and we can turn our eyes upon Jesus anytime so that we ourselves remember how we're supposed to look and reveal to others this Lord of Lords coming into the world. Let us pray. Holy God, in this epiphany, in your appearing, give us the eyes to see. Help us, Lord, to see how you are made manifest in the world and in our lives. And in seeing you, God, reveal the image of you within us as God has created us to be. Help us, Lord, in turn to be a vision to others so that they may see you through us. Be with us, God, in all of our attempts, big and small, to offer less of who we are and more of you in your glory. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen.